Well, as excitement builds for Christmas and for presents and that morning that they all look forward to, obviously, um, we're trying to build excitement each day with, with uh, the Advent season by using a, a calendar, a calendared book that we go through. Uh, and then we have a little Advent tree uh, that has ornaments on it and each ornament has um, something displaying um, part of the story that represents Jesus as creator, as the Lamb of God, as um, the one who rescues us from sin. Um, there's 24 different things that lead up obviously to Christmas. And so we use that to try and build anticipation, anticipation and excitement for the coming of Jesus on Christmas. We just try and stay consistent with it, and we've been doing it for four years now. This is our fourth year. It's been fun to see how they start learning the scriptures and just getting more familiar with them. And now they have quite a few of them memorized. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. First John 4, 9. I try and make it a habit each day and the kids end up looking forward to it each day and enjoying the process. We wanted it to be about more than Christmas Day and presents, so each day we're talking about um, what it means for Jesus to come. And so uh, that story is more important than presents or anything else that we can <coughs> talk about with them for Christmas. Let's put our hands together and thank Bryce and Jana and their willingness to invite us into their homes. We're kind of profiling each week through Advent season, just kind of an inside look at different families in the Eagle family of how they're keeping Jesus at the center of the season. And we pray it is, has been a good Advent journey so far. If you're not receiving the regular daily devotional readings, you can get those electronically from us. You can just go to eaglechurch.com slash subscribe, and we're sending out a daily Advent reading to help foster how we're waiting and hoping and anticipating the light of Christ's presence to come and to meet us. And as you see, as the month progresses through our Advent candles, the light increases and we'll culminate it on Christmas Eve. Amen. And the, one of the favorite moments of the year for all of us, right? When the light of Christ has spread uh, through all of our lives in that way. So if you have your Bibles with you, let's open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Welcome all those joining us online as well. Your online host can direct you to your note sheet. You received a program on the way in the door. You can pull out your notes via that program as well. I entitled the message this morning, Joy in the Broken Places. Joy in the Broken Places. It was Ernest Hemingway who said the world, and this is his book, Farewell to Arms. He wrote a novel. It was about World War I, and he said this, quote, the world breaks everyone, and afterward, many are strong in the broken places. The world breaks everyone, but afterward, many are strong in the broken places. And you don't have to live much life to figure out that the world is going to break us. 
That sometimes it happens very young in our lives, right? Some of you grew up in an environment and your household would seem so whole and, and put together and seemingly unblemished. And as a, as a child, you came home one day and it felt like out of nowhere there was this... Wow, that went spectacularly farther than I imagined it going. It's a splash zone down here. And your household, what you thought was all put together. And then as you grew up as a child from that space, you, you become convinced that and devoted that when you meet that special someone someday and you walk the aisle and you get married and you have kids and you build a family, you, you're not going to go back to the brokenness of where you came from, right? And there's this kind of deep resolve inside and then... You go along in life, and maybe you and your spouse and your children, you go down a road where things start unraveling. Or, or maybe, maybe it was something where you go, I had this career in mind, you know, and you get down the career path, you go to school, you get a job, and you're convinced, right, this career is headed somewhere, and and only to come into work one day and you find your career just or 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 maybe it was actually something in in ministry or in the church world or maybe you got connected to some kind of church or ministry and God was doing some amazing things and you were part of something you were convinced was just so eternally significant and then seemingly out of nowhere that spiritual community, that church experience, just a whole bunch of stuff was done in Jesus' name that didn't have anything to do with Jesus, and it left you just, what was that? Or, or, or maybe, it was, maybe it was like this cloud of mental and emotional stuff that just kind of descended on your life, maybe the net effect of a multiplicity of these experiences, you just, you battle this cloud of depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and, and you just wonder if it's, if it's ever going to be any different. It just seems like it's just one more. Or as you age in life and you go to a doctor's appointment and you think it's a routine checkup, Right? Those routine checkups, and then you sit, and then they call. It's never good when the nurse calls and said, we'd like to see you. Instead of getting the perfunctory paper that says everything's okay, and you go into the office, and you sit across the table from a doctor reading test results, and they basically say, your physical body. And on and on we could go. The world breaks everyone, and afterward, many are strong in the broken places. So a few months ago, I was doing some reading, and the author referenced a Japanese art form called kintsugi. 
The Japanese art of kintsugi, the word kintsugi means this. Kin means gold and sugi means joinery. Here's a picture of how kintsugi, the process, works. It's a, it's a process of repairing broken pottery with black lacquer and gold dust. And so the essence of the art of kintsugi, hear this now, it, it begins with broken pieces. Like, You've got no kintsugi art if you have no brokenness. And here's the irony. The more I was reading about it, there are actually families in Japan who have very expensive pieces of pottery, and they actually have been intentionally taking their hammer to the pottery and, yeah, doing this so that some artist could perform kintsugi on it. Here's a picture of kind of the end result of a piece of kintsugi. So they've determined that the pottery under the hands of a skillful artist has become more valuable in the broken places, in the seams of weakness. And you could imagine when a, a pastor is reading this art form and all the cylinders in my brain and soul begin to fire off and I start envisioning smashing a piece of pot and having a conversation with you about this very moment where church, I believe we know the master kintsugi artists of all time. That there's no one like Jesus to come into the broken places and shattered spaces and put the master hands to work with the black lacquer of his grace and the gold dust of his love and produce a piece of art when you step back and look upon it that you declare in the places of weakness actually displays the beauty of his strength, his majesty, and his glory. But it starts with brokenness and a shatteredness. It's actually what the Apostle Paul in the passage I had you turn to, 2 Corinthians 12, Paul is in his own place of kind of taking the broken mess of his life to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want you to do something about this. Jesus, help me. Jesus, fix this. Jesus, heal this. 2 Corinthians 12, and then Jesus speaks this word to him. And I put this scripture in your notes. Here's what Jesus says to Paul. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. Underline this in your Bible. My power is made perfect in what? Weakness. So this is the word Jesus speaks to Paul. It says, Paul, I know you're begging, you're longing for me to come and to heal and to restore. And, and Jesus comes and says, hey, Paul, in the language of today, uh, the master kintsugi artist is at work and I'm working in the joints and I'm working in the cracks and there's, there's a mosaic I'm developing here that one day Paul, one day, 
you're going to see that it was actually the gold dust and the black lacquer and all the things that filled those broken places and shattered spaces. You're going to see that's the story I was writing. And so Paul's response is the next word. So Paul then responds after kind of internalizing what Jesus is saying to him. He says, therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So here's what Paul's saying. I'm going to boast about this. Look up here. I'm, I'm, I'm boasting about this, Paul says. I'm boasting about my broken places in shattered spaces. Why, how could he say that? Notice what the text says. So that what? That Christ's power may rest on me. So here's Paul saying, you know what? I, I'm going to experience something of Christ as I bring my broken places and shattered spaces to Jesus. Like he's going to meet me here. That in the pristine and unblemished artwork, I never would have experienced. That there's a majesty and a glory and a beauty in the gold crack filled work that's just not there in the unblemished and the pristine. So Paul goes on to say, that is why, verse 10, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. There's our link to Advent joy right there, that line. I delight. I have joy. I have Advent joy in what? In weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. And then underline this line. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's an amazing few sentences Jesus speaking and then Paul responding. And some of you this morning, your Advent season is 2 Corinthians 12. Some of you are journeying through Advent, and right now, if you were honest, you're like, all I see, Lord, is brokenness and shatteredness. And perhaps you're joining Paul and saying, Lord, please come, heal, fix, repair, restore. Come and do something about this which is a fine prayer to pray and a good prayer to pray, and then just keep going with that prayer and, and join Paul now and, and hear Jesus lean into you and whisper to you, much like he whispered to Paul, I, I, I see, I see, I'm here, I'm with you, I will help, I will help you. Let my kintsugi hands go to work. I will help you. Trust me. I'm going to start putting some things together. I'm going to start working in the cracks and in the places of weakness. And I haven't forgotten any of these pieces. I see. And one day, Probably not today and probably not next week, much like for Paul. Probably Paul's became, it was Paul who said also in this letter, he called this light and momentary. That doesn't feel that way, right? There's nothing, there's nothing light and momentary about this kind of stuff. But one day, Jesus says, Paul, stay with me. Let me keep working one day, you're going to look back, and, and there's going to be a piece of art, and I know you can't see it now, and I know you're struggling to believe it now, but this is what you trust, that I am that kind of artist, and I hear your cries for help. 
and I am with you, and I will help you. And this is Paul kind of echoing, I think, like what he heard James, Jesus' half-brother, say. So here's another connection to Advent joy in all of this. This is James 1. I put it in your notes. Here's how James, the half-brother of Jesus, said it. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when what? Whenever you face trial. So he says, hey, consider it pure joy when it's like this. Like, consider it pure joy. It's like, wow, James, really? Because, look what he says. He says, trials of many kinds, by the way, lest we think there's just one. If you live any length of life, you know trials come in all kinds of shapes and colors, right? Many kinds. Verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be what? Mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, so here's what James is saying. Hear this now. James isn't saying the joy is the joy isn't that your life is broken. That's not, that's not to be joy that your life is broken. Hear this. The joy is in the work of art God is going to create from the brokenness. There's something God's going to do from this pile of mess that you one day will be able to rejoice in. You tracking? The joy isn't that your marriage is unraveling. That's not the joy the joy is that your unraveling isn't the end of the story. The joy isn't that your body is breaking down. The joy is that this body that's breaking down that may have an end date in this life has an eternal state in that life. That the suffering of the body isn't the end. The joy isn't that you've been hurt or betrayed by a loved one. That's not the joy. The joy is the hurt and betrayal doesn't get the last word. It can be swallowed up in redemption and restoration. Do you see? You can consider it joy. Not the joy of this. That's not the joy. This is the part that stinks. This is the part you say, why, Lord, and what are you up to? And this hurts. This is where you shed tears with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus shed drops of blood that came forth from him. Who's the one who knows most about the brokenness? In just a few minutes, we're going to go to the communion table, which the bread at the table is called the broken body of Jesus. The joy isn't in this. The joy is in, hear me, who we become when we surrender to the master hands of the Kintsugi artists who can do something with the brokenness, who can meet us in these places that are cracked and need filled with the lacquer of His grace and the gold dust of His love, that He can work and He can form and He can shape and He can rebuild and He can restore in a way that, of course, right now there's no way we can see. And unfortunately, for some of you, your story of brokenness is such that there's a good chance you may, not, you may not get to see a good portion of this piece of art in this life. But hallelujah, you will get to see it in the life to come, and that will be for all of eternity. But I suspect for some of us, a good portion of our 70, 80, 90 years here is spent just kind of navigating this. 
the world breaks everyone. And afterward, some, many, are strong in the broken places. Notice Hemingway didn't say all. I don't know about you, but it's been my experience that sometimes, like, I try to do kintsugi. If you know me well at all, I'm the most non-artistic person ever when it comes to, like, any of this stuff, right? My family keeps me a long ways away from the art supplies and art room. But I want you to think with me for a moment. What happens? There's something in the human condition that when we encounter times in our life like this, right, where the just life just keeps hammering away at us and just keeps breaking, and there's just something where we just hear this now. Sometimes, sometimes we can kind of turn towards God and we start spiritual Heisman and stiff-arming God because he let all this happen. God, why did you take that loved one? God, why did you let me experience that? God, you could have stepped in. You could have prevented. And you just look at your brokenness. And if you were honest, there's a little bit of a barrier and a little bit of hardening and distancing between you and God going on in it. And usually on the backside of that becomes a posture that says, Lord, I got this. I got this. I'm going to work on my broken mess the way I want to work on my broken mess. And I'm going to do it in my own wisdom and strength. And when that happens, I think it turns into something like this. You see the gold dust and the black lacquer cracks, right? What is that? I don't know. I think it's Kintsugi gone bad. But when I saw that picture, I thought, Lord, how many times in my life, that's what I've done. I've just taken the pieces. I said, you know what? I got this, Lord. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to put this together with this. I'm going to put some lacquer and some gold dust. And I'm, it's, put, it, it's pieced back together. But at the, you look at it, you go, what is that? And then I got some people in my life who look at me and go, Simpson, what is that? Uh, not what I thought. That's not how I envisioned this going. And I think, I think this is what Jesus was dealing with when he went to Thomas. You know Thomas, the disciple who was on the struggle bus with the resurrection and the crucifixion and the flogging and the beating. and the, It was Thomas who, he couldn't understand. He watched Jesus get hammered. He just... Thomas was like, peace out. Like, he, he didn't know what to do with watching the Savior of the world, his Messiah, flogged and beaten and mocked and crucified and buried and sealed on the tomb. And then Jesus rises from the dead, and he goes towards Thomas. And, and listen, I put this in your notes as well. Here, here's what he says to Thomas. He says to Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Oh, church, do you see this? Like, like Jesus says to Thomas, hey, Thomas, come, put your hands. Do you see where, he where, where did he have Thomas put his hands? In the broken places, in the weak spaces in the places that were pierced, in the hole in his side, in the nail-pierced hands. Thomas, put your hands here. 
Thomas, see if the Father could do something with all that you observed and happened in my, all the brokenness and all the mess that you just went through this past week. Thomas, look. Look at what the master Kintsugi artist did. He harvested the salvation of the world out of all that injustice and all that heartache and all that suffering. Thomas, look. Look at the gold dust. Look at the black lacquer. Put your hands here. And right there, Thomas begins. I think he says, hey, Thomas, put down your art tools, Thomas. Put down the tools. The harder you work at this, Thomas, the bigger mess you're making. Put it down and then surrender and let me go to work. Let me do something from this shattered space that you can't see right now. Look at my hands. Touch the side. Thomas, do you see? The world breaks everyone. But afterward, many are strong in the broken places. And so, church, in just a few moments, I'm going to dismiss you to the communion tables, and I'm going to dismiss you as Japanese jars of clay. And I want to encourage you to be honest about the broken places and shattered spaces in all of our lives. To be specific and to say, Lord, I'm going to name some of these things and, and I'm going to go to the table. And the connection to Advent joy in this space, that some of you were raised in traditions where the table was called the Eucharist. Some of you in faith traditions where that was the case. Do you know the word Eucharist? It literally comes from the original Greek word Eucharistus that means a table of joy, a table of gratitude and thanksgiving. So the early church fathers said part of the role of the broken body and shed blood isn't just a remembrance for Christ's suffering and sacrifice, though it is and that is important. It's also this element. Hear it now. It's you remember what he's done, and then you celebrate what he's conquered. You with me? It's not just remember what he sacrificed. You celebrate what he conquered, and that there is a day coming when he gets to write the end of the story of our lives, and this table says you come. You come with your broken places, and you come with your shattered spaces, and you come to this table and you break off the bread. Do you see the imagery here? You break it. And you identify with these spaces in Jesus' life. And then you let him apply the lacquer of his grace and the dust of his love and fill in those cracks where you say, Lord, I can't see. I can't understand what good could possibly come of this complete disaster. Lord, I bring my broken places to you. And the Eucharist table says, you have joy in this. Not in that it was broken. You have joy in this. That this isn't the end. That Jesus gets to be the last artist to apply his hands to this mess. And when he does, oh, when he does and how he does, 
I believe it can take our breath away. But wow, there's a weightedness, right? The stories in this room, the stories of some joining us online, like you guys have a PhD in, in brokenness. And Jesus says today, this is the season where you light the candles and you open up the shattered places and the broken spaces and you say, I'm asking for the light of Christ's presence to come. To come and to meet me. He can do that today. So worship team, why don't you come back up? The team's going to come and play some music. I'm going to leave you with one final image and then dismiss you to the tables. Ted, go ahead and put the image up of the Kintsugi heart. So I found this as I was doing some research on all this. When I saw this, I thought, I think, I think that's the image I would like you to have when you're working with the communion elements, the Eucharist table today. I want you to have that. The question isn't whether our hearts are broken, where there's shattered places in all of us that we're dealing with. That isn't the issue. The issue is, are we going to surrender and yield to his broken body and shed blood? Let him put his hands to work. And if we will, church, I believe this can be the story of every single one of us. That one day, in those places of weakness, in those places where you said, I can't believe, I don't understand, in those places when you didn't think you could hurt any longer, in those places where you said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get through what I'm... That space right there can turn into that. Where Jesus comes and fills in those cracks and writes a story and builds a mosaic. And really, it's you and he who know where it started. So church, from this, look up here, from this to this, that's Advent joy. And the way from this to this is the Eucharist table. It's at the table where we recognize we lay down our work, our tools, say, Lord, I'm done. I'm done trying to figure all this out. And I'm going to the one who can do something about it from here to there. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time of year, for the message of this season. Thank you for the Eucharist table that invites us to come. We just right now open up our broken places and shattered spaces right now. Some very clear and poignant. Some know exactly what that is. And just open it up and lay it before you now. 
with great expectation, we come to the table with the hope that you will meet us there. That you will infuse us with joy and with peace and with love. That you know exactly the crack that you're working on right now. And then as we take these elements, we do so as an act of worship to you. You're our master artist. You're Lord of the story. We lay down ourselves and we say, Jesus, help. Meet us. Mend our broken hearts. Give us the eye of faith to look into the victory, the end of the story, that you get the last word. Infuse us with that kind of joy. So we do this as an act of worship now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.